0: Hey friends, I'm so glad that we could be together in your home today, this last Sunday of 2021. And if you happen to be joining us for the first time, I'm John Hansen, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I'm so glad that uh, we could be together this weekend. I wanna ask us to take a moment and pray over our offerings. And for many of us, uh, we give our offerings online, and for a lot of us, it's automatic. And this may be the very last time in 2021 that we do pray over and give our offerings. If you've never given before, I wanna urge you to consider giving to this ministry as we end this year. I am praying that God would allow us as a church family and as a ministry to end the year strong in terms of our giving so that we can start 2022 full strength. And so thank you to all of you who do give regularly and generously. And for others of us, Uh, who maybe never have given before, consider this last Sunday of 2021 your opportunity to give for the first time. And if you're blessed in any way by the ministry of Centerpoint Church, would you in this moment give? You can go over to mycenterpoint.tv and click the give button, or you could get out your phone and text uh, to the number that will be on the screen, 951-397-2254. But let's take a moment right now And whether we're giving for the first time or we're praying over what's already been given automatically, let's pray over those uh, offerings and consecrate that to the Lord. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we end this, uh, this year, 2021, we recognize that everything that we have has been given to us by you. And so Father, as we give in this moment, we give with a grateful heart and a heart of trust in you, and we consecrate our offerings that we are giving online or digitally or have already given automatically, consecrate our offerings to you now in the mighty name of Jesus. We want our church and this ministry to thrive. We want to see many more people come to know the goodness and love of Jesus. And so we pray your blessing over our offering. And would you speak to us now in your word and all together in every place that we're joining in for this weekend service, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Well, For the last time of this year, I just want to say one more time, Merry Christmas. I found this in my pocket, and I thought it was a reminder that I wish somebody a Merry Christmas, even though Christmas was yesterday. I do hope that you were able to join us for our So Much Joy Christmas experience. And I hope that you were blessed with all the photo ops, all the fun, and all the surprises. And uh, I, I pray that today you would be blessed as we get into God's Word. Okay, so I have something with me right now that is... Uh, something that usually just sits on my desk in my office. And this is, for some of you, you recognize what you're looking at right now. This is a Pinewood Derby race car made by a Boy Scout. In this case, by me. I remember making this thing when I was in roughly the, the fifth grade, and I I love looking at this thing. I mean, it sits on my desk, but I pick it up from time to time, and and, I, and I'm still kind of amazed. Like, how did I do this when I was in fifth grade? But when I, when I look at it, it reminds me of the lightness of being 11. You know, for most of us, when we were 11, there wasn't a whole lot of problems and pressures. I mean, for the most part. Or if we had some problems, they were probably kind of minor. And, and, and I look at this sometimes, and I pick it up, and I, I remember it being in my dad's garage with his belt sander, working away at this thing to get the curve just right. I remember spray painting it with primer and then this glossy red I remember putting that bondo on to get that shaping just right and the simplicity of it the lightness of it the the freedom of it and when I really start thinking about it what I feel is thankful I I, I feel thankful I feel thankful that I grew up in a family with with a mom and a dad who loved me I feel thankful that I grew up in a in a family where my, my parents cared about me enough to do things like drop me off at Scouts. <laughs> I feel thankful that I was able to have tools in my dad's garage to put together a Pinewood Derby race car. I feel thankful that I had a dad who told me just where to put the weight on this thing and just how much to put so that I could ultimately win third place in the Pinewood Derby race in my fifth grade year. But I did, I feel thankful whenever I look at this thing. And You know, today, I wanted to just give a message about the power of gratitude. You know, when I go through that simple little exercise of picking up my little Pinewood Derby race car and looking at it and and feeling the lightness of being 11 and the gratitude that, that comes into my mind, that thankfulness has an effect on me. That thankfulness ends up being almost therapeutic because it reframes the way I think. And so, in this message today, I want to tell you that if you would join me on a gratitude of stepping into thankfulness, it might be a little bit of therapy for you because it will reframe the way you think. And it's exactly what God has called us to in 1st. Thessalonians chapter 5. So I'm going to just ask you to open up the Bible today. And so grab that Bible off your coffee table or off the side table. And If you need to run and get one, run and get it right now so we can be in God's Word together. Of course, we're going to put the scriptures on the screen, but this is God's Word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Somebody say all circumstances. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I know that somebody is about to start a new year and you've been wondering to yourself, I wonder what God's will is for my life. Well, guess what? We just discovered God's will for your life. And and it's here in First Thessalonians 5.16. I want us to read this all together. And actually, right where you're sitting, you might be in your bedroom or your family room, or you might be in the car, but I want you to say this with me nice and strong. Ready? Verse 16 and following. Go. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, this scripture, one of the words that, that jumps out at me is give thanks in all circumstances and that there's a correlation between giving thanks and in all circumstances and being able to rejoice always. These two things are in the same thought inspired by the Spirit of God. But I want to pay attention to what it means to give thanks in all circumstances. One of the things I notice is that the Bible here doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but give thanks in all circumstances. For example, uh, last week, the car alarm on on my truck stopped working, and the clicker stopped working, and it's a, a minor inconvenience. I have to do it the old-fashioned way. Oh my gosh, the inconvenience! I'm <laughs> just kidding, right? But I actually have to stick the key into the into the hole and, and unlock the door, like most of us used to until about 20 years ago. But it's a frustration. It's a minor irritation. And then I went to the locksmith and they couldn't figure out what to do about it. It means i got to make an appointment and go go down to the dealership and all that stuff. That's not what I wanted to do with my time. But I I can do two things with this. I can meditate and stew on the inconvenience and the frustration. Or I can do what God's Word says and give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not going to give thanks for the, the alarm being broken. But I am going to give thanks in the circumstance of the alarm and the key fob being broken. I'm gonna give thanks. I'm gonna give thanks that I do still have a car and that it's only the key thing that isn't working. The engine's still working. I can still drive. I'm gonna give thanks in this circumstance because, in, in the big picture, the alarm on the car not working is a pretty minor detail of life. I'm gonna give thanks in the circumstance that I still have food to eat and I still have a family that loves me and I still have breath in my lungs. I'm gonna give thanks in all circumstances. Say that phrase with me. Give thanks in all circumstances. Say it. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, why would God call you and me to be people who give thanks in all circumstances? The reason God calls us to give thanks in all circumstances is because he is our heavenly father and our creator, and he made us, and he knows what we need, and he knows the powerful effect that gratitude can have on our inner being. And I think God wants to lift somebody up today. I think that's why I'm bringing this message today, because God wants to do some lifting in our lives. And gratitude is one of the best lifters there is. And so this is why God calls us to be those who learn to live expressing our gratitude. And so my message to you today, in a nutshell, is this. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. I want you to just say that phrase with me one time. Ready? Go. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. Say it again. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. I want us to explore this idea together. I want us to grow in our own understanding of gratitude. You know, I remember a while ago, there was a guy in our church who was a a private pilot. And he had a a small, uh, I think it was a Cessna 152, something like that. And he invited me to go flying one day, right here out of the French Valley Airport in Marietta. And so I went up in the plane with him. And he was, I didn't know it, but he was basically teaching me how to fly a plane. And uh, at one moment, uh, he, he said over the intercom system, because that's how you have to talk in a lousy little, uh, sorry, not lousy, noisy <laughs> little airplane. Uh, he said over the intercom, uh, uh, adjust the attitude, Pastor. And I looked over at him and I was trying to wonder what he was getting at. And I I smiled, you know, and then he said it again. I said, adjust the attitude, pastor. And now I'm really wondering, like, what in the world is he talking about? Have I been grumpy to him or am I uh, giving off some angry vibes or something? And he said it a third time, adjust the attitude, pastor. And then he, he, he pointed to the stick, you know, the, 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 you know, the drive, the, the wheel, of the, whatever you call that thing on an airplane. And, and then he communicated to me what he meant. The attitude in an airplane has to do with the nose of the plane. And the attitude of a plane uh, can either be with the nose up, as in you're heading above the horizon into the sky, or the attitude can be nose down, as in you are descending and heading back towards the earth. If you are trying to land the plane... Having the attitude uh, facing nose down is probably a good thing, but if you are not trying to land the plane and you're actually trying to clear those mountains across the way, then uh, the attitude needs to be adjusted upwards. And uh, Dan was trying to get me to learn about uh, flying the plane, but the lesson stuck with me on, on, a, on a deep level that that the attitude adjustment is going to affect the direction of travel. And in our lives, the attitude that we have is going to affect the way we move forward and even where we go. And, and so today, I think that that message is something for us to take to heart, to adjust the attitude, adjust the attitude, and recognize that we can adjust the attitude and affect the direction that our lives move in by the way that we adjust our attitude. So I want you to say that with me one more time. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. Say it strong, go. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. And I think if we can get this, if we can live this out, I think we're gonna be poised for starting the new year really well. Let's decide together that as we head into a new year, that we're going to be people who do this, who lift our attitude by living with gratitude. So I want us to take a minute and and just discover a moment in the life of Jesus where gratitude played a crucial role. And I want you to turn to Luke chapter 17 right now. So you turn to Luke chapter 17, flip through the pages. If you actually did go to 1 Thessalonians, then right now you should be turning the other direction, back towards uh, the gospel of Luke, uh, to chapter 17. And here's the setup. Jesus is doing some teaching in parables in this particular moment. He had just gotten done teaching what we call the the parable of the the prodigal son, which was the story of the extravagant love of a father, really, for a, a son who needed it. In his time of brokenness. But in this moment, uh, Jesus has gotten done with that uh, group of teaching and he was on his way to Jerusalem. And so we'll just jump in right now to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And so here's what we read. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, two men had leprosy. uh, uh, Sorry, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Jesus, master, have pity on us. You got to just understand something. This disease, leprosy, which by the way, (laughs) it happens to be called in the science textbooks, Hansen's disease. Yes, that's right, you heard it here. It's called Hansen's disease because Dr. Hansen, uh, no relation to present company, uh, is the doctor that did some of the initial primary studies on this disease. But it's a terrible disease that affects the nerves and it causes a, a person, in most cases, to lose sensory nerve functions. And so without a, a sensation for pain, Uh, There can be all kinds of damage that happens to the physical body of a person with leprosy. Uh, The people, especially in Jesus' day, without much access to any kind of real medical care as we would know it, if they had leprosy, uh, they would uh, experience oozing, oozing wounds and sores on their body. And these oozing wounds and sores would become infected and the person may not even feel it until the inf- infection traveled to a place in their body that hadn't yet been affected by the leprosy. And then it became very painful. But these people had to live off by themselves and, 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 and usually outside. And sometimes you know, a, a rat may come along and literally begin to gnaw at these open sores and the person didn't have sensory sen- uh, ability and wouldn't even know it and could wake up uh, in the middle of the night or in the morning to, to the awful experience of a rat gnawing away at a, at a finger, and they're not even feeling it. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? But worse than the physical terrible aspect of this disease is the emotional and social cost of it. These people had to live by themselves, alienated, isolated. And as they were living by themselves, they had to embrace an identity. It was such a contagious disease with no cure that these people were legally required to cry out, unclean, unclean, to anybody who happened to come anywhere near them. Can you imagine that, living every single day of your life with a terrible physical condition, compounded by this awful uh, experience of being alienated and ostracized and cast to the side and having to label yourself unclean, unclean every day. That's what these lepers were going through. And so you can imagine when, when word got out that there was this healer, this rabbi who would touch people and blind eyes would open, this rabbi who who was known for even raising the dead, they were probably ecstatic at the possibility of hope of what might happen because they heard Jesus was somewhere near and maybe they saw him at, at a distance. And, and so their passion, I mean, this was probably not a calm moment. They're crying out, saying, have pity on us have pity on us and Jesus knew what they were asking for they were asking for healing and so what we read next is in verse 14 it says when he saw them he said go show yourselves to the priests and as they went they were cleansed as they went they were cleansed man this is an amazing moment if you could just picture it, this is your Savior, Jesus. We just celebrated his birth as baby Jesus, but this reminds us quickly of who we really worship at Christmas. The Savior, the one who, the mere sound of his voice <laughs> brought about healing for people that had no recourse, no hope, no way to experience healing otherwise. And this is our Jesus. I want you to just say, man, that's my Jesus. Just say, that's my Jesus, he heals the lepers. He heals them. He heals them. And as they went, they were healed. Now, this isn't the main idea of my message, but I hope somebody is picking up on this. That there's something about their willingness to take a step that was a part of their process of experiencing healing. As they went, they experienced healing. Yeah, but let me get back into the heart of the message. Back to verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You know what's crazy about this moment in scripture is that, is that something about what just happened made an impression on Jesus to the extent that Jesus, it says, was amazed. He was amazed. But it, what amazed him was not exactly what maybe uh, we would have hoped for. What amazed him was that no one else returned to give thanks except for the one Out of the tent you know what's interesting to me is that we live in a time when there's so much available to us where we have so much i mean think about how many of us just experienced a moment with family and friends around a christmas tree probably opening so many presents that maybe today we don't even remember all of them we do have access to so much and in a context where we do have so much What can sometimes happen is we can drift into a a place where we take things for granted or even have a sense of entitlement. Probably most of us recognize entitlement when we see it in others. And for the most part, if we pick up on entitlement in someone else, we find ourselves feeling a little bit irritated by it. Why? Because entitlement is not an attractive uh, characteristic, but gratitude is. And in this moment, What we know is that Jesus was amazed by the gratitude of the one. And so my question today is, will you be the one? Will you be the one who would recognize with intentionality all that God has done for you? And will you be the one who would return to God like that one Samaritan did and give thanks to God for all that he has done? Would you be the one who would recognize all the ways God has poured out goodness to you? And would you be the one who would intentionally express your thanks to God for what he's done? So here we are. We're ending a year, 2021. And most all of us would agree it's been a tough one. There's been so many difficult moments and difficult aspects to this year. So much chaos, strife, anxiety, tension, all of that bad stuff. But at the same time, here we are. Still breathing. (laughs) Here we are. For many of us, still thriving. And that is evidence of the goodness of God in our lives. And I think maybe the best way we could end 2021 would be to deliberately, intentionally thank God for all of the ways he's been so good to us. So let's do it. Let's take some time right now in this at-home church service to, to experience gratitude and to be deliberate and intentional about it. So I want you to think about your life for a moment in terms of five categories. And if you have a piece of paper, and actually I want you to get a piece of paper out, maybe even a journal, uh, if you have that handy, and I want you to write down these five categories, because I want you to do a, a, a 5G 2021 in review, five areas of life in which you can be grateful, and I want you to write down these five categories, and then right in this moment, we're going to take some time to jot down uh, five things we're grateful for in each of these five categories. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, first of all, your faith. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your friendships. I'm talking about your finances. And I'm talking about your physical body. Those five. And yes, the the F's, except for physical, will help you to get them straight. But I want you to take a moment, as I'm going to do right now, and write down those five words, leaving space. You can fill up one whole page, hopefully. And again, the five categories that we're going to take this moment and express to God our our gratitude in are these five. Our faith, our family, our friendships, our finances, and our physicality, our physical bodies, and and all that we've experienced in these five categories. So I'm going to ask our worship team uh, to, to bring back a moment for us to just be in the presence of God together and as we're experiencing this time of worship, I want you to, with your journal out in front of you, or that piece of paper that you just grabbed and you're writing on the back of it or whatever, in these five categories, I want you to write down five things that you are grateful for. We're all going to do this together right now. Ready? Let's, let's go ahead and begin to write down how we're grateful. All right, well, let's get back together again. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Didn't it feel good to your spirit to just simply identify all of these good things? And if you had more time, and I hope you'll take more time, you can keep on writing down all the ways God has poured out goodness in this last year. Yes, there have been difficult things in all of the circumstances, but we are able to give thanks in all of the circumstances, because we see signs of God's goodness. And you know what? This is what God calls us to do. In Colossians 4.2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, being watchful Watchful for all the ways God's doing something amazing. Watchful for the ways he's blessing you. Watchful for how he's poured out goodness. Watchful for how things are working out for you in ways that you might have missed if you weren't being watchful. Being watchful and thankful. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. Why don't you just say that one with me out loud? Ready? Go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. And then Psalm 100 says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. This is one of the ways we draw nearer to our, in our experience with God and into his presence, by giving thanks. You know, when you begin to express thanks, what you're actually doing is you are engaging at a very deep level with your own dependence on God. When you are giving thanks, you are acknowledging that you are a human being who exists in in a way that goes beyond the immediacy of the current moment with all of its ups and downs. When you begin to express your gratitude and give thanks to God, you are expressing your reliance on your Heavenly Father and thankfulness is part of God's plan for how you are going to experience His peace. Gratitude is an ability to perceive the good and to express appreciation for it. I'm going to say that again. Gratitude is the ability to perceive the good and to express appreciation for it. And when we do this, we're changed. Our attitude is lifted. And remember, that's what we're talking about in this message today. We're talking about uh, lifting our attitude by living with gratitude. That's what I'm hoping that we're going to be doing more and more. And did you know what? James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. I'm guessing that you probably gave something to somebody for Christmas. And whether it was yesterday or sometime last week, hopefully they opened that gift. And deep down, as much as you wanted to bless them, you're probably also hoping that at some level or in some way they turned to you and said, hey, thank you for that. And if they didn't, you probably feel a little bit like, hey, d- did you not open my gift yet? <laughs> you know? And in a way, I think that there's something Deeply, deeply necessary for us as sons and daughters of the most high God. Simply recognize that everything good and perfect, anything good in any way, has come from our Father in heaven. And the right response every time is thank you. Thanks to our God. And gratitude is actually good for you scientifically. I I read in, in the Wall Street Journal these two uh, these two psychologists did this huge gratitude study. Grabbed hundreds of people and put them through this exercise. Dr. Robert Emmons and Dr. Uh, Dr. McCullough and they studied these people. They took uh, uh, two groups of hundreds of people and for ten weeks. Uh, had had one group, Group A, every single day, their task was to write down what they were grateful for. Every day, they had to write that down. And then the other group, Group B, those hundreds of people, every day had to write down what they were irritated about and what they were annoyed about. <laughs> you could probably already guess what the results were, but the results were that the group that, that uh, had to write down what they were irritated and grumpy and and uh, frustrated about, those people ended up with higher rates of blood pressure. Those people were uh, unable to uh, be self-motivated. They were struggling to keep healthy patterns like even going to the gym or getting exercise, and they were uh, in in a state of despair at the end of this period of the study. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, the group that were writing down what they were grateful for every day, those people uh, reported scientifically verified <laughs> a sense of inner optimism. At the end of this study, uh, they were able to exercise more. Without a struggle, they kept their healthier patterns of diet and exercise more easily. They were in better health, lower blood pressure, and the list goes on and on. I just wanted to tell somebody it's scientifically proven that gratitude is good for you. But God had this idea for us long before uh, these doctors did the study. God knows what we need most. And what we need is, is to express the gratitude. I mean, we do have options, right? One option is uh, you could just decide to, to, to actually uh, magnify everything that's that's bad, right? I mean, you could just, just choose to magnify, whoa, this is what's going wrong with my marriage, and this is what's going wrong with my job, and this is what's going wrong with my car, and this is what's going wrong with my finances, and this is... And, and what's going to happen is you're going to put your attitude nose down, and you just might be bringing it in for a crash. Or you can lift it up. And instead, I mean, this is still here. These things are still part of the experience, but you can choose to magnify something else and magnify God and magnify God's goodness and and choose to focus on and magnify how how God has sustained me. And I, I'm magnifying that God has given me another year of the miracle of perseverance through problems. I'm magnifying how God has allowed me to have uh, a a click up. Maybe it's only one click, but a click up in my relationship with my kids. And I'm magnifying how I I still have uh, a roof over my head. And I'm magnifying how I do still have a car to drive. And I'm magnifying how I am able to experience God's goodness. And as I do this, I'm adjusting my attitude in a way that ends up leaving me in a better state. And that is what we are made for. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. Let me say it again. I lift my attitude by living with gratitude. Let me bring it back in to 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and following one more time. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For so many of us joining in in this church at home experience this final weekend of 2021, we know Christ Jesus. And if, if nothing else, every single day of our lives, That can be an ever-flowing something to be grateful for, knowing Christ Jesus, knowing Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, and knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that we're saved, knowing that we have the hope of heaven, knowing that we are right with God, not because of ourselves, but because of Jesus. And so today, give thanks to Christ Jesus for what he's done for you. But for somebody else, I just want to make this clear to you, that there's a way that you can know that you're right with God, and it comes through faith in Christ Jesus. And if you've never actually said yes to Jesus, finally acknowledging that you need his gift of forgiveness, that you need him to forgive your sins, I want to urge you to do that right now, today. Yes, you are joining me online for this experience, but there is no distance with our Heavenly Father. He's as present with you right where you are right now as he is with me in our chapel at Center Point Church. We're together in this moment. And in this moment, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins and save your life, why don't you do it now? We're going to pray together. And I want to ask you to pray with me in this moment with a heart full of gratitude. And for someone, I'm asking you to pray with me and that you would finally say yes to Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for this time that we've been able to be in your presence together. And Lord, as this year comes to an end, we give you thanks for all the things that you did in 2021 to sustain us, to carry us, To get us through things that were so thick with problems. God, thank you. Just say it out loud. God, thank you. Come on, everybody. Right at home, right where you are, say it. God, thank you. Lift your voice louder. Not so quiet and muffled like that. Say it strong. God, thank you. Again, God, thank you. Say it one more time. God, thank you for so many ways you've poured out goodness into my life. You've sustained me, you've carried me through, you've lifted me up, and you've continued to hold me together even in moments when I felt like maybe I was gonna fall apart. Say it again, God, thank you. Say it, God, thank you. We bless 2021. We bless it as it comes to an end. We bless it because we wanna turn our attention toward a new year with hearts marked and shaped by gratitude, and so now, As we thank you, God, for 2021, Lord, I pray that in those five categories... Lord, that you would begin to do a work in each one of our lives, whether it's in our faith growing deeper, or our families coming together stronger with more love, or or whether it's in friendships, new ones that we're discovering or building into again, or or in our our finances that you're supplying needs and giving new supply into, or in our physical bodies touching us with healing, touching us with improvement in our physical health. Lord, in all these ways, I pray you'd begin to speak to us about how to begin to prepare for 2021 in such a way that in those five areas, we would see more and more of your goodness. And so, Lord, we bless 2021, but now also we bless this new year to come. And we turn our attention to you in this moment with a grateful heart, trusting you, God, for your goodness in a new year to come. So, Lord, I pray right now for Somebody who just joined in and trying to make sense of all of this. And and the last thing that I shared was about being right with God through faith in Jesus. And if, if you're joining me right now, and this is all new for you, I want you to know this. You can be right with God through faith in Jesus. This is a gift. We call it the gift of salvation. And this is not something that God forces on you. It's something he offers to you. And like any other gift, it is something that you get to receive and take hold of. And the way you receive this gift of salvation is by turning to Jesus and giving your life to him. And I want to urge you to do that right now if you never have. Turn to Jesus and give your life to him. Ask him to forgive your sins. The way you've missed the mark and and lived in a way that has, has left you feeling stained on the inside and marked by shame and guilt, ask him to forgive you. This is the good news, that there's a way to be right with God, and it's not about you proven yourself or earning it or deserving it. It's about simply turning to Jesus and saying, yes. And right now, I want to urge you to pray with me. And if you've never done this before, give your life to Jesus and do it like this. Pray with me and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. You can say it one more time with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I'm asking you to save me. Be my Savior. Say that with me, Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord, forgive my sins, and take my life. I'm yours. And Jesus, in this moment, right now, I say yes to you being the Lord of my life. Thank you. Just say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and saving me. I love you, Lord. And all of us together say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I'm going to ask our worship team to come back and and lead us in a moment of praise. And let's declare our love for our God. And let's sing out together that we're grateful. Let's sing out together the word hallelujah, which just simply means praise, praise, praise and honor to God for who he is as the one who's loved us and saved us. So let's sing this out together. Hallelujah to our God. Sing it with me and let's worship.